Jazz, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, firstly, I'd like to go and talk about anxiety and the different phases of anxiety people go through, especially looking at um, the pandemic and how people have suffered um, different bouts of it. Some extreme, but not so, uh, but then other times not so extreme. So could you sort of um, give some advice and some sort of some sort of clarity on what anxiety is and how people can control it? Yeah, of course. Well, you know, if, if you technically looked under the dictionary, it, anxiety is actually an apprehension about an upcoming event. It's usually an emotional response to perceived dangers that aren't necessarily always real. Um, and you know, years and years ago, you know, anxiety would be, we'd be running away from tigers in woods and, <laughs> and stuff like that. But at the moment, you know, we're not doing that. But I think a lot of people are just always in this heightened state of anxiety, that, that sort of fear and apprehension. And I know for a lot of people, COVID has brought these feelings um, to surface really, because you know, we, we've never encountered such a virus, you know, it's, right. it's, it's also, you can't see it. So it's not like, oh, you can see a tiger and you run. Mm. Um, but with, with a virus, it's silent. And there has been so much media, um, you know, coverage about it, that that's all we've heard and seen for the last year, really. So people are you know, genuinely concerned, really. Mm. Um, but, you know, that there are things that you can do. Um, but, you know, now, now the vaccine's here, so I imagine people's anxieties are slightly less heightened. Do you think, you know, a lot, I know I definitely have stopped watching the news. I've definitely taken my own steps. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think, not that it's in people's head as such, but it's fueled. It's fueled by a lot of our environment. It's fueled by the people around us. Um, Absolutely. Because, you know, for, for a whole year, that's all we've been listening to and watching. You know, it's become, it became, you know, when it first came out, it was very addictive. Um, mm. And, you know, in our household, you know, my husband would constantly read the paper and this person has said that. And, you know, oh, you got to listen to it. And I just, you know, just said, right, enough, we're not going to listen to any news, you know, any news, and we're not going to look at newspapers anymore. Because, um, I mean, for me, I, I never got that anxious about it, because I'm a person that likes to look at, you know, look at the research. So mm -hmm. what I did was find out about viruses and, um, and, Yes, so, so for me, it's, it's always about getting the facts. If you have facts, then you are more, well, you're less likely to feel anxious about things. You know, not just COVID, but, you know, anything. You know, if, if you've got an upcoming interview or yeah. you're anxious about an exam, um, you know, that there are things to do, like, well, one study, yeah. Um, there, there'll always be some sort of anxiety but you know if you feel well prepared um, you can kind of counteract stuff really like those feelings 
And that's what I find anyway. I think as well, what I found with anxiety is there's this, it's still quite stigmatized, I think. I mean, I, the, the experience I had with anxiety was like getting on a train. Yeah. I was really fearful of having an attack and people staring at me and being quite embarrassed um, because I, I didn't feel it was a subject. I thought they were just think I was crazy. And I, I, don't, I still don't think it was a subject that I felt comfortable um, sort of when I was feeling my worst and, and I've, I've really suffered panic um as well that you know my friends used to say just speak to the person next to you just like kind of whisper and, and tell them what you're going through and I never did and I think that sort of heightened it the fact that it's I think it's still although people are still talking about it quite openly within social media I still think it's kind of stigmatized within households yeah no, I agree. And especially with um, sort of South Asian households, you know, there are illnesses and mental health is just not talked about, um, which just adds to the anxiety because you feel like you can't talk about it because, um, well, it's just a stigma, isn't there? There's a stigma about it. Um, I know um, 12 years ago I had cancer um, bowel cancer and I remember phoning my mum up and you know the first thing she was like oh no where did you get that from you know it doesn't run in my side of the family it's almost like it's got nothing to do with with me or any part of my you know my family and you know a lot of people in my family did not know that I had cancer because my mum just didn't want to talk about it didn't feel you know that maybe maybe it was because it's looked badly upon that you know your daughter's got cancer and do you think um, you would judge like do you from your experience and how you've overheard people talk about other people yeah do you, do you think people would be quite negative and judgmental about it I think so I think there's um I think I think with um Asian culture there's a there's a real thing about blame as well mm -hmm. um sort of they they look at you like oh you've done something to get that yeah um it, it you know they they don't see it as like there's actually something wrong with you they they think well there's something wrong with you because you must have done this or you must have done that or you know there's they, they always have to have a reason why it happened and that reason is because you've done something yeah, yeah. I, I do feel that it's like that and the same with sort of mental health you know they kind of you know family kind of laugh off someone that may be you know struggling with mental health issues they'll they'll kind of dismiss them or just say oh well you know she's always been like that or you know you just have to ignore her or or yeah. it, you you know it's that you you can't really talk about it you know wouldn't it be lovely that you could just sit down and have an honest conversation and just say look mom or look you know look auntie I'm feeling this way I just don't know what to do about it um you know you'll always get dismissed it's like oh it's just in your head or oh you'll be fine you know you just drink some you know Barney or drink some tea and you know everything will just be fine it'll go away um 
But maybe it's because they don't know what to do. It's the fear for them as well. There's that anxiety about like, oh shit, you know, my daughter or my son's got, uh, they, they're coming to me and I don't know what to do. You know, it's, it's like, well, we won't talk about it. Maybe it will just go away. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a, I think a very, um, that's a, a very generational cycle as well, isn't it? Like, like I, I, not that I, I am quite, I do try and keep an open mind with things like this. Mm. And I, I do feel in, in a lot of cases that um, elders before us weren't exposed to having these conversations. They weren't brought up to have these conversations. Therefore, it's not, it's not within their, their blueprint to be able to talk about these things. And there's um, something like, as well, I was talking to my friend, but I don't think, I was, because my um, heritage is Punjabi, so uh, my mother tongue is Punjabi. So for me, um, I don't. There's not a word for depression, for example, um, it, within Punjabi. Um, you know, it's like it's it's like demarcravia. You, you know, like it's it's like you're broken. Right? Yeah. yeah, you're you're like, and the language that I think they use on each on each other because it's not within the the Punjabi language I think it's very difficult as well and it's sort of trying to explain that to elders is really difficult because they just don't understand it they just you know they they think and behave a certain way do you think that's a lot to do with it yeah I, I think so and I think also that um as if anyone did have these issues, you know, like parents and stuff like that, they just had to get on with life. And you, you didn't go to the doctor because, you know, you're the Marquis Krab. Um, you, you had to have a, a tangible disease or something that someone can see. So if it's in your head, you can't see it. So therefore, there is nothing wrong with you as such because it's not seen. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you know you've you've got a cut, you've broken your arm or something like that, you can see what's gone on. So yeah. therefore, they believe you. It's almost like yeah, there's no grasp of mm-hmm. as you said because there's no word for it. It's almost like they can't grasp that it is real. It's a real thing that's happening. Um, Do you think it's changing? I think I think so with younger, the younger generation, and maybe the older ones try to understand it, but they can't because you know that's just not something that they've encountered themselves. Um, yeah. Maybe years and years ago, if someone was mad, they'd put them in a home or whatever. I don't really know. I don't know what they yeah. do to hide away that that person. And I uh, think what you said about blame. I think like people were more likely to call a doctor to say, "Fix her." Yeah. Him, rather than actually sit down with their children and have a conversation and go, "What's wrong? Are you okay?" Yeah. And for some reason, um, that was maybe harder for parents, or maybe they didn't even think that was an option. I don't. I don't know. No, that that's true. Because if there was any, um, you know, growing up, 
uh, I'm Punjabi as well. So growing up, you know, I was brought up in a, a new town. Um, so a lot of my friends were, you know, Gore, white, um, and and I didn't have much um, contact with Indian people. And, and so, you know, I, I used to struggle with the fact that, you know, I am Asian, I look different, but I am. I'm, I also, all my friends are, are white. And so, you know, quite often my parents would be like, oh, you know, go, you shouldn't be hanging out with, you know, white people all the time. But it was like, well, there are no, <laughs> there are no other people to hang out with. So, you know, sometimes they, I think they, they kind of thought that there was something wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> because that's, that's all I knew. They lack accountability. Well, I don't, for, the, for parents, I think that they feel like they had no, they've got nothing to do with, they, they want to control you, but they feel like they have no, they've got nothing to account for, as if there's something wrong with you, it's because there's something wrong with you. It's yeah. not because they've contributed <laughs> to that. It's actually just like, well, you're the problem, so we should try and get you fixed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't know how, but, you know, that it isn't themselves that they think that they need to fix themselves. They think that it's it's you, you know, oh, what have I done? You know, why have I got a daughter like this? And yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, there well. is an emotional blackmail there, isn't there? You know, what have I done? I've I've put a roof over your head. And yeah, you know, I, I've definitely heard that one. Um, yeah. I put a roof over your head, you know, you eat. And I'm like, but that but that's the role of parents right that's the role of motherhood that's the role of fatherhood that's 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 I'm am I now indebted to that am I now indebted to it I think you are no it's 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 very true um and you know, I, I understand it's a different generation and that they do the best that they can, but they also have to accept that there, there is some sort of responsibility with having children. And if they do suffer with, with anything, anxiety or anything that's going on with them, that they must try and try and help them or try to understand that that it's not just them, that they have a, they have a part to play in this. Mm. You know, you, you can't complain that I don't hang out with brown, you know, Asian people when you take me to a new town and it's got nothing to do with me. If I was in Southall, I would have, you know, Asian friends. Mm. Um, and do you think as well, when you talk about anxiety and you talk about mental health, um, do you think as well that um, I've, I've read books and um, I've read up on how you can in inherit mental health. So some of the traumas that they face, maybe they don't see it as trauma. Maybe it was just that's how things were growing up in childhood. You know, it was hard. Mm -hmm. But actually some of the traumas that they face that in turn are reflected on their children because obviously there's... Um, traumas that haven't been healed from parents yeah no I think I think that's very true there are traumas and there are you know genetic there is part of genetic makeup that you know depression or 
um, mental health does run in families. It's it's true, but you know it's all down to genes, and genes are you know they can be changed with diet and lifestyle. You don't have to just keep continuing a life. You know this this sort of sentence that people think, oh, you know, well, my mom was like that, so that means I'm like that. You don't have to follow that same path. You can do things about it. You can become a bit more self-aware that, yes, I have this issue. You know, generally most South Asians have the issue of diabetes, but if you if you know that's in your genetic makeup, then do something about it. Don't eat so many sweet things. Don't eat bagore and you know samosas and um, just be a bit more just <laughs> just be a bit more mindful about things that you can do, and that therefore you know you won't get it. Um, so. You know, you, you can't just say, well, my mum was like that or my dad had that and therefore, it, you know, like it's some sort of label or brand that you've got to carry on for the rest of your life. It doesn't have to be like that at all. Um, how, how do you think people could help, like, their parents or elders as well to explain this? Because I think it's, like, I, I understand what you're saying, like, you know, just don't do it, but it's really hard to try and explain to someone that, has for so many years um have these habits and to unlearn those habits mm -hmm. and to try and, and highlight the risks yeah. i think it's really hard especially there's a, there's a real stubbornness i think to um, the elder generation as well yeah i think you know if you if you're having those sort of issues i think you always have to address it as me i rather than just say, oh, you did this and you, you make me feel like this, or, you know, if you didn't do that, then I wouldn't feel like this. You know, you have to own your own feelings. So, you know, just say, look, look, mom or look, dad, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. I'm feeling like this, um, you know, uh, and I just wanted to let you know that, you know, sometimes you say I behave in such a way, it's because I feel like this. And I, you know, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying that this is, you know, these are my feelings. And I, you know, um, I'd prefer you not to dismiss them because it, it upsets me when you do that. So, you know, maybe it's just about having a very open conversation, but oh, just talk about yourself because instantly your parents hopefully won't get, um, you know, they won't uh, get defensive. So, but, you know, everyone knows their own parents and you know that their limits and what they will listen to. Yeah. And maybe they won't understand what you're saying. Maybe they won't even, they won't even hear you, but maybe they are listening and maybe they will sort of step back in and just be a bit kinder and... Mm -hmm. Be a bit more understanding, yeah. Yeah, because they are they are unhealed, aren't they? They're people yeah. that are unhealed. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, and you know, our generation, we've done a lot of work, you know, the amount of counselling I've had and the amount of, you know, now I'm training to be a counsellor, you know, so we, we learn how to help ourselves, you know, we learn how to heal ourselves. But that generation... You know, they'd never go to 
a psychiatrist or you know you know a therapist of some sort they won't because they don't think they're broken um, yeah. they don't think that there's something wrong you know ideally for them it's to blame yeah. someone else really it's it everyone helps. else's fault yeah and I think it's quite scary to open that box as well isn't it to oh. really open that box because yeah. I think from from my experience of um some people around me mm. I think they're more fearful of what could come out oh. to actually break down to actually lose that control yeah um, that they've sort of kept zipped up um and I think as well they would some people would rather keep that shut yeah but it, it takes someone very brave to show how vulnerable they're yeah. feeling you know and and if you if you show your vulnerability to someone and then it gets dismissed you you just go back even more into yourself and actually start believing that there is everything is um it just makes you feel more and more depressed i think really because you just become more and more inward because nobody understands nobody listens nobody you know, you don't, you're not going to someone to get fixed. You're just going to someone because you just can't carry what's inside you, mm. you know, on your own because it's a difficult thing. Mm. Uh, and, and so, you know, with, within the family, it's, it's sad if you can't go to, you know, your, your, um, your brothers, your sisters or your, you know, your parents and talk about, this sort of stuff and that you end up just seeing everyone else and and talking to other people um yeah i think there should be more openness i do feel that you know in in, in asian society there's so many secrets and so many, yeah. you can't talk about this and why can't we talk about it why why can't we just talk about it you know and why are they a secret <laughs> yes, exactly. somebody should be doing something that they have been doing you know and it's, yeah. it's you're right and I, I've definitely experienced secrets um st still do um for members of my family in particular yeah and um I find that the burden as well the psychological impact of holding other people's secrets and holding people's lies yeah. um, especially from a young age yeah, yeah. I've I've really felt that impact because I've gone massively the other way I I I do not lie I'm not gonna say I haven't lied uh, but I you know very much since I've become a mother I do not lie you know I'm very much we don't have secrets in this family especially when she's sort of sometimes being playful my daughter and going don't tell daddy and I, and I, ha I do like I make a point I go you know I don't keep secrets from daddy you know yeah. I, I have to tell him yeah. um, but if you tell me that I can tell him right you know like so do it that way but there there is right there is a real psychological uh, and emotional impact wow. from lies and secrets that yeah. aren't even yours no there are other people's and yeah. especially from childhood being brought up being taught to lie yeah I have yeah. found that very heavy yeah to carry 
Well, it is. It, it's quite a burden, especially for a child, you know, to be put in that position where you're having to lie. And, so, and sometimes you don't even realise it's a lie, but it's, it's just like, oh, you know, you can't talk about something and you don't actually understand why. So there's just so much... There's so much silence sometimes, you know, and that silence is unbearable because, it, you know, it's what tears families apart, I think, because you've, if you're always living a lie where you can't talk about things or, you know, we can't talk about that, there's always this elephant in the room that we mustn't discuss. Or, but it's there. It's there. It's such a sort of heavy presence, isn't there, that you just think, my God, I don't want to be in that presence anymore. I just want to, I just want to hang out with people that we can talk about how our, you know, our feelings are and everything else, you know, and we're not going to be judged. We're not, we're, you know, we're not going to be blamed or judged or anything. We can just talk freely and be accepted and and, and you know this is who we are and yeah I just can't do that in certain families I'm not saying every family is like that but I do know that I, I seem to encounter it quite a lot in quite a lot of you know Asian you families talk about it you, you know people go yeah like you know that happened in our family there was you know like I, I, when I when I when I talk about this sort of subject about lying and uh -huh. the, the, the impact that it has on your mental health, um, you know, and, and people start going, yeah, like you know, this person was an alcoholic, this person was gay, like you know, like all these, and I'm like, gosh, you know, and particularly for children to have to carry that, uh -huh. um, because what I found was the hypocrisy on it as well, the yeah. fact that people gossip about other people um mm -hmm. and the people were sort of had this sort of persona of being very advisory that the advisory that the good you know and and the quite sweet person but actually in fact what that person was giving advice for was doing exactly the same but yeah. just very secretly and for a very 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 long time as well yeah um that's what I found within communities and families that there's a lot of hypocrisy ar yeah. around issues that aren't talked about. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, and I know of people that do things and I'm just like, well, why does nobody pull them up on that? Yeah. Why doesn't actually anyone confront them and just say, hey, well, why are you doing this? And, you know, you all talk about it. And, you know, after a while, it just gets like, oh, God, I don't want to listen to them just moaning about someone. You know, if you're not going to do anything about it, then you either don't see that person or you confront them. <laughs> you know, you don't just say, that person does this all the time. No, no, no. You know. Because people aren't um, holding that person responsible and mm -hmm. saying, you know, really step back and look at what you've done. Yeah. Um, I think, I think this is where um, we see a lot of um, parents and families starting to break now because generations, generation before, you know, you were treated quite badly by your mother-in-law. That was quite a stereotype um, sort of character, especially when it's reflected in films as well. Um, you know, you were, you were sort of accepting of your role and, you know, how 
how you are treated. Yeah. But I think what's happening now is, especially um, first generation British mm -hmm. Asians, they're starting because they've, they're, they're around quite a diverse community when mm -hmm. it comes to um, different ethnicities and different religions, for example, as well. They're starting to break away yeah. from, from that pattern. Yeah. And to, to end that cycle, unfortunately, you do have to walk away from your family. You, you do have to take that step away because if you stay around it, your children will be affected by those lies, those secrets that are still going on. Yeah, yeah. And they will be part of that burden. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. You know, and also education, you know, parents are very up for you to become educated and stuff. And, and with education comes power, power in the sense that you take control of your own life before it's always your parents sort of almost controlling you, you know, like you have to do this and you have to marry that person and da, 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 whatever. And then when you do educate yourself, you just think, well, actually, I don't have to be part of this. I don't want to be controlled. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm my own person. So, you know, when you do get an arranged marriage and stuff and you're working and bringing in your own money, you know, why am I still being controlled and, um yeah do you think there's an element of because it happened to say for example our parents mm -hmm. there's an element of those parents enjoying the control that they have with their children um because they never had it i don't know whether i would say it's enjoying the control i think they just think that's their their role is to control um it's almost like you don't have children because you want to have children or you yeah. love children. It's almost like they're a commodity or they're, they're, they just see them as an extension of themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and therefore we are just extensions of our parents and therefore they can control us because we aren't our own people. That's how I kind of see it really so I don't think there's any malice I think that that's just how that's how they think they are showing maybe love as well you know my my parents you know I married someone that was English and when I told them oh well, he wasn't even English he's half Chinese and half English so you know there was a great uproar about that one that I couldn't even pick someone that was <laughs> just one you know um and you know when I told them that I, I love this person they just could not grasp what love is because they, they didn't marry for love no and 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 for them it's it's yeah like yes it's it's just alien to them really yeah. and they think that well if we choose someone for you therefore we have we can control how your life's going to be. You're going to be much happier because, you know, so-and-so is a doctor or so-and-so earns this much money or so-and-so is, is from this caste, even though they say they don't do caste. You know, there is a, there is still some of that going on deep yeah. down. Um, you know, and, and then they feel like, shit, she's marrying who she wants to marry. I'm losing control of yeah. her yeah you know and and they kind of don't understand that really 
I didn't, you know, they didn't feel like they brought me up to go and make my own decisions and marry someone and do art. And yeah. So. Yeah, I, can, I can imagine that. And, you know, when you talk about um, sort of attitudes, family attitudes, and you were saying that, you know, you, you had cancer mm. um, and there was a sort of a, an attitude of, um, you know, how did that happen? And um, who did you get that from? Um, sort of concepts. How how did you how did you get over that struggle of firstly accepting the fact that you'd received this news, going to a family, receiving not so supportive um, uh, news. <laughs> it, was, it was really difficult. I. You know, I think I still struggle with it. You know, sometimes when I say that and see people's faces, they're almost like, whoa, okay. Um, but yeah, that I, I did struggle, struggle with that. But it, on one hand, it made me realize that actually, you know, my health is, is mine. It's mine. I can do what I want because I got it. <laughs> you know, this is my cancer. And so, so therefore, I felt almost that I didn't have to make decisions based on my mum's opinion, really, of what I was going to do and stuff, you know. Um, when, when I was diagnosed, I, I got into nutrition at that time and I had to have, um, well, basically I had the cancer, they cut out the tumour and they said, oh, great, you're fine it didn't spread da, 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 off you go and then three months later they said that oh, we're really sorry but it's metastasized to your liver um and then they wanted to start chemo which i did for about three months um but that's when i started to investigate um, nutrition and lifestyles so i started to eat very healthy even though I, I thought I ate very healthily you know using stuff to sort of target tumors and cancer I, I got into meditation I did counseling because I felt whilst I'm not to blame for getting the cancer I thought it was a way that my body is trying to tell me there is something wrong with you why why did you get this mm -hmm. I have to deal with the underlying issue you know western medicine is great for treating the symptoms so they they cut out the tumor and that's why i didn't really want to do the chemo and so um i had the operation removed the uh, sort of third of my liver but the liver's great because it regenerates mm -hmm. um and then afterwards i thought you know what i don't want to do this chemo i don't want to poison my body um it's it's archaic, I thought. It, it is just like so brutal. So I did a lot of research, you know, I did loads and loads, hours, hundreds and hundreds of hours of research about chemo and whether it would prolong my life. And I came to the conclusion if, if um, the, the chemo would prolong my life, if I took it for three months, it would prolong my life for three months. And mm -hmm that's how I saw it anyway and I thought you know what it's miserable I, I don't want to do this um so I just said to the oncologist I'm not going to continue with this and they said that well you'll die and I said okay fine yeah. <laughs> you know, was, but but because I felt like this is my body this is my body if I choose not to do something that I don't think is good for my body 
then I don't, it's my privilege, you know. So I didn't tell anyone, I only told my husband and my daughter that, you know, I've got, I don't want to go ahead with it. And they were really supportive and that was 12 years ago and here I am, so. <laughs> that's, that's lovely, but I, you know, when I hear that and I think putting myself in that situation, obviously it's, it's, it's that's quite a brave thing to do. I'm not, I'm not sure a lot of people would take that risk. Um, oh and make the step of actually just choosing nutrition over something that's been used every single day um, and being told by professionals that it works. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, now I'm a nutritional therapist and um, I would never tell anybody that do not take the chemo. That's everyone's cho choice, you know, just as anything that people want to do, it's their choice. But all I want to do is make sure that you know, for, for myself, it was an informed choice. It wasn't like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to take it anymore. I, you know, as I said, I did lots of research and I did do other things that I felt was going to help. And sometimes, you know, that placebo effect, that, that mind, your mind is so powerful. Your mind can, you know, heal you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm convinced it can heal you really. If you tell yourself you're going to get better, then I do believe you will get better if you if you curl up in the hospital bed and just say, well, I'm going to die, then you've got no will, have you? You've got no incentive. You're not telling yourself that things are great. You know, it's always, you know, you can always look at things in two different ways. You can always think your glass is half full or half empty, you know, and I'm always a glass is half full type of person. Yeah. Um, and what did you do? What, what were the steps that you made? Like you said, you took, you're talking about nutrition. What yeah. did you change? What did you change? Your, how did you change your lifestyle? Um, well, fundamentally, I think, you know, the thing that caused me to cancer, because everyone has cancer. Everyone has cancer, but there's always something um, in your life that something happens and, you know, that sort of, the, the sort of cancer cells proliferate. And I felt for me, it was stress. You know, my dad had passed away. Someone else had passed away. I was struggling with sort of family stuff. And um, it, yeah, and so I, I, for me, I felt that I need to address the stress side, the, the mental side of stuff, because I thought if I don't sort out what's going in, on my head and what I'm telling myself and what I'm allowing myself to constantly do, then I will never get my body to, to do what it wants to do. So you can't just, I couldn't just chuck nutrition at it and then still think the same way as I did. So I had to do both at the same time. So that's why I thought it was really important to do the counseling, the meditation, um, you know, I got into my answer, Kundalini yoga teachers. So I got into Kundalini yoga. Um, you know, I bought an infrared sauna. I'd go upstairs and, you know, do this healing Kundalini chant for like 15 minutes every day. Um, and, you know, did a lot of juicing. So it's good because, you know, your appetite isn't that great. So that's a good way to just get lots of vitamins and stuff is just by juicing um and the gleason juices because obviously that's a very famous um, yes 
that stated that actually he he could cure some cancers or or, or cancer I think um, through nutrition and to actually put back in our bodies what it's missing yeah yes yeah definitely but I don't think you know I would ever use the words cure I think you can you can support support yourself with most illnesses you know but you can't cure um do you believe you can cure cancer I don't You know, when I started to train as a nutritional therapist, we can never use the word cure. I don't think doctors can use the word cure. We can only support. So, you know, I can support anyone with whatever they're going through. And, you know, with menopause or anything, even anxiety, you can support people, but you can't cure them. And I think everyone to a degree has the power to heal themselves. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a very difficult one, really. But I would never use cure. Okay. And and you've come out the other side. Twelve years now, and yeah, uh, the cancer has gone. Yes. Completely. Yes. Completely. Wow. Yes. So. And I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, I wouldn't have started to do nutrition. I wouldn't have started to address all the stuff in my in my life, you know. So now I no longer want all these dramas and yeah. stuff. I just walk away. I'm just like, do you know what? I'm really not interested. If you want to, you want that in your life, you can. And I started to put myself first. You know, I think it's really important that we all look after ourselves because if we can't look after ourselves we can't look after other people mm. and so I you know there's there's always this guilt thing about oh I can't say no to people or I can't say no to you know family I can't say no to anything um and, and being Indian you know we're, we're Indian women we're taught to be subservient almost to a degree aren't we we're there for everyone apart from ourselves so I started putting myself first. I started saying no a lot more. I stopped my partying days and <laughs> I still drink wine. I still have, you know, a glass of wine. Um, you know, not every night, but, you know, I love a glass of wine and I love cooking and, you know, sort of being healthy doesn't mean it's boring bland food you know to, to a degree Asian food is so healthy you know all the garlic and the healthy and you know that it's it's actually really good and you know in the olden times you know your grandmothers were probably really right in giving you you, you know like sund or fennel um, lots of stuff that helps you you know helps your body and digestion and headaches and you name it that that everyone has has this on hand you know turmeric is one of the best things for a lot of stuff inflammation it's just great for reducing inflammation um you know and people taking lots of uh, you know statins and stuff you can reduce i mean you can um lower your blood pressure you can do lots of stuff with nutrition There's, there are lots of things you know you can thin your blood with cod liver oil 
fish oils. You don't have to take, you know, blood thinners for the rest of your life and aspirin or something. So there are plenty of things you can do. Um, Yeah, I think it kind of sounds like um, when you were talking about what you did, like the change that you made, it's kind of like appreciating your body and starting to give back to your body what it's given you and 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 kind of loving yourself again I think because when you love yourself you you have a lot of self-respect for yourself and a lot of appreciation of um you know what you've gone through but um you know when you talk about taking care of yourself again yeah um that's how it sounds it's it's actually sounds really nice yeah a lot of people should do that more Oh, well, no, definitely, definitely. But, you know, we're all so busy sometimes, aren't we, looking after everyone else and we never put ourselves first. And yeah. I do that now, you know. You know, from the moment I used to go in my sauna for 15 minutes, that was my time, you know, nobody could disturb me. So yeah. even if it's 15 minutes and things like meditation, you know, it's shown to to really alter your brain waves and it can help quite a lot with anxiety and stuff. So, you know, just listen to 15 minutes of meditation at night time and go to bed and sleep is so important, you know, constantly not having enough sleep, it really does affect your whole body and your being. You know, you can't make decisions. You know, we all know one or two nights of broken sleep. It's like, you you can't make it, (laughs) you know, you're just like, zombie really so it's very difficult really so yeah everyone should start and you know everyone should just declutter their life right or declutter their brain you know we we don't like mess around us so why do we have so much stuff going on in our head why can't we just stop doing that so you know how do you sort of tell yourself to you know it's again it's all about sort of unlearning habits isn't it all the yeah. habits that we've been well one we've inherited yeah been sort of like um um sort of grown up to sort of be like and yeah. to do and then you yeah. you know and now we're sort of saying well actually we've got to unlearn all that um yeah. what's the first step do you think well, breathing's quite good. Simple, you know, like box breathing where you just um, inhale for four, hold that breath for four, and then exhale for four and hold it again. Yeah. So I, I do that with my anxiety. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, you know, breathing is just great for that. It's, it's great. And, you know, I know it's so easy for me to just say, oh, well, you know, we shouldn't have so much thoughts going on in our head but breathing can help with that and so can meditation you know there's great apps there's an insight timer which is a great free app so if you like guided meditation there's there if you just like music you know just listen to some relaxing music or uh, and, and then just sit still you know when you when you sit down for food make sure you don't have any other distractions just TV. you're doing just do that yeah. you know give 
give if you want to play with your children just play with your children not just hold the phone and take them to the park or whatever you know um be with them so it's it's i think it's just giving it um, attention and and showing intention you know kids are really good at that they you know you see so many times people are just constantly like this with their phone and ignoring everything and everyone they'll go for a walk and they're like this you know that's Look, look up at the sky, look at the, you know, look at nature, like appreciate what's around you really, very simple things. It's, yeah, it's just been about being mindful really, being mindful of everything. And what advice would you give people when they've been in your situation, they've just found out some bad news um, and because it, it's quite, um, quite a personal journey I think what you went through yeah uh, a personal journey for everyone but what advice would you give people when they've received some bad news like that like options wise and you know what you would recommend now going through that process yeah I uh, what would I recommend that's a good thing I mean after the initial shock I think it's always good to have someone there have someone that you you know you can use as a sounding board that that are there for you not to try and fix you um you know I, I always remember my husband was always you know googling things and telling me you know he would be sending me off to a retreat somewhere you know having coffee enemas every single day you know through <laughs> five times a day and I just said this isn't me you know, it's great. I, I really like the fact that you're doing the research, but could you just come back to me with all the research and let me make the decisions because this is my body. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, if you do have something that's going on, it's always good to have someone there that you trust that are there for you, not for them, you know, yeah. people have to make something about themselves. Um, uh, and so taking back that control like we were saying earlier like a parent yeah yeah you don't want to be told you've got to go and do this you yeah. know um and so just have someone there that mm. you know even if you ask them that you want someone I want you there but I don't want you to try and fix me I just want you to to listen to me and stuff and I think it's quite important to maybe get a counsellor quite soon because there's a lot of stuff that goes on in your head you know you 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 worry about your mortality you know there are many a time even before the oncologist said I was going to die that you do worry that you are going to die mm. um, but you just have to be kind to yourself you know and, and don't look for reasons why it happened don't you know don't don't go down that route mm. um as in don't don't blame yourself you know it isn't anything that you've eaten it isn't anything that you've done but yes do look at why you may be in this position you know as in are there things that you can change about your life that maybe will make a difference you know are, are there are there sort of positive things just like spending more time on your own. Stop saying yes to people. Stop, you know, stop helping everybody, you know. Put yourself first and just say, look, 
at the moment I can't do this and yeah, yeah. just take just take time out and Check go for walks. Yeah. And I think it's always important to have time for yourself, you know, because you're the one that's going through this. Um, and then the you know, it's taken me a long time to realise that generally I have the power within me to make decisions and to, you know, you know, we, we often look for guidance and stuff and you can go and see a counsellor, but at the end of the day, you, I think everyone knows they have the answers. You use the counsellor as a sort of sounding board. Yeah. I think deep down, you know what you have to do or what you want to do, but you're too scared or something. So I think, you know, just having time alone to process thoughts is, is good mm. because it clears your head and it just puts things into perspective, really. And, and then speaking to other people, as in like friends and stuff, I think you just get their perspective and it's not always, you know, everyone wants to give advice and things, but I think, don't don't look for other people's advice just <laughs> just yeah yeah just make it about yourself really yeah and listen to yourself yeah well what you're saying really listen to what you want because you're right some people don't want to go through that chemo and if that means that they're taking some control back for themselves yeah that's quite empowering in itself isn't it yeah yeah you know fear makes people do quite a lot of things and doctors have trained and they know what they're doing but it, it, you, you know and I do think god I you know I was so happy that I could have operations and I was in a position that I could do that um but you have to know what's right for you yourself really if you don't want to do something you shouldn't feel that you have to do it for everyone else, for the doctors, for your family, for whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's allowing people to make their own decisions about themselves, especially if you're a copus mentis, you know, there's no reason why someone has to take control of your body, really. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Jazz, can I thank you very much for coming no, on? Pleasure. You've been pleasure. really insightful and I know that's going to help a lot of people out there because yeah. of how, unfortunately, how common cancer is. Yeah. The, the options that people do have, they don't think they have mm. because um, they listen to, as you say, the doctors and the professionals around, but actually thinking about other options yeah. is very helpful, I think. So thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Thanks very much, Sharon. Bye-bye.